So, Paul, we if anyone's listening, we need a new intro for Paul. Paul needs to be added into yeah. our little cheesy intro. So, Mike and Space, if you're listening, or if anyone else, please, uh, please help us be a little bit better. Paul Sports. Paul, yeah. Make sure to call him Paul Sports for sure. All right. Until then, uh, we have the normal intro. It's Michael Tidwell and Michael B. Casey. Block time. It's block time. This is Michael Tidwell. And this is Michael B. Casey. And again, we are joined by co-host Paul Sports. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. So, uh, recent announcement. Uh, I didn't know if uh, you wanted to break the news here to all your fans, but you actually were traded. And uh, it sounds like you're okay with it. You you were traded to the Dash Amanda Bees over the weekend? Yes, that definitely did happen. <laughs> I was informed the Vitalik, the coach of the uh, Ethereum Elephants, he, he called me up and he he said, we need to have you come into the office, you know, for a meeting. And they sat me down and they told me that I had just been traded, you know, to the... Oh, man. How did that... To the bees. How did that conversation go? <laughs> like, were you upset? Like, well, were... it was a pretty rough conversation. There, there, well, he, he, he talked a lot about 12-dimensional hypercubes, which is a little distracting. <laughs> uh, but I'm just excited to try and do the best that I can for my new team. And we're going to try to make it all the way to the playoffs. Or whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the BCL, the Blockchain Crypto League, is still a fairly new league. I mean, a lot of people are looking it's, for it's good quarterbacks, and I know you're 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 good at a plethora of sports. I know you're not sure which sport you're going to be playing that week. Um, but what what? Uh, I mean, yes, I'm not. So I haven't really been keeping track. Who's your Who's your opponent for next week? Do you know? No, I don't know. I think. Oh, I, I'm I, looking at the I, roster I, right I, now. I you're going up against the Zcash Zucox. It could be anyone. You're no. You're oh. going up against the Zcash Zucox. So uh, let me for the Z-Cox. people who are watching the uh, for the people watching. Yes. We we have. Let's see here. If you see Dash Amanda Bees, they're up against the Zcash Zucox. The Much Doge Very team is going up against the Bitcoin Honey Badgers. Uh, Ethereum see. Elephants, your old team. I don't know who did they use to replace you as. Uh, for their quarterback position, uh, I have been replaced by. I think it's Andreas, be, right? Uh, that was uh, <laughs> no, it was Bram Cohen. Bram oh, Cohen, Bram Cohen. Is now Bram Cohen. The quarterback. <laughs> so, so the Ethereum <laughs> Elephants, your old team, is playing against the Pepe Cash Alt Right. Um, the Monero, yes, the Monero course. Mooners are up yeah, against the Litecoin Reading Lights. Do without my help. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so uh make sure to place your bets. Yes. Well, I'm very- um we 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 have a you know a large pie. I think we're up to like what 150 million dollars for this uh round one. 150 million dollars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. So uh yeah, a lot of so like a lot of binary three bucks. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, are, are they paying you? Are they paying you in dash now? Or or how is your team paying you? Uh, my contract no, we, we no one is allowed to get paid anything. There's very strict. The, we have the highest ethical standards in this league, and no one is allowed to be paid anything. So you just do what people tell you to do, and that's how the league works because that's how everything works. 
So no one is paid at all. Well, I thank you for taking time out of your uh, busy uh, workout sessions and such and training to uh, come here and talk yes. about the week's news in cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Uh, let's see. We have a couple talking points. Um, I, I did want to mention, I know I know you weren't too keen on this, but the, the proof of stake snippet. So I started making snippets of our last uh, episode and it uh, seems, seems to be cool. People like it. The one guy said, uh, obviously, he, he solved a proof of stake with that proof of skill stuff. And I actually had to go back to Chris DeRosa's interview when we're in Miami so about who, that. Who was this? Do you remember his name? I, you know, I don't care who actually posted that comment, but I did go and I, and when you Google proof of stake or proof of skill algorithm, the first thing that comes up is like Chris's DeRose's, uh, uh, interview with the guy who's like making it and i was like i couldn't believe that it's actually based off like fancy points and like stuff and i was like i i've i've never actually seen that yes I, i'm unfamiliar anyways i, I just want to make a, a quick <laughs> well, mention can, can somebody well, what is proof of skill for the uninitiated i to me it just sounded so ridiculous i i, I didn't even like but i mean the guy is serious the guy's serious about it it's not like a joke he wrote a white paper or something i mean he's he's like really serious about it Yes. So it's a little bizarre. Basically, he uses as a source of randomness the like the fantasy football outcomes for the previous or the fantasy whatever outcomes for like of the, the previous week or something. But I think they're like as input by him or something, which is the that sounds like it yeah, could be gamed anyway. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's well, I don't know. Like it's funny because we've gone. Yeah, we've gone very far away from the original cypherpunk. <laughs> cypherpunk ICOs—that's where we are now. Cypherpunk ICOs. <laughs> though, that's what it is. Uh, no, what's something like that? I don't. That's like I thought I could glean from it. Interesting. So, someone actually donated to us to our multi-sig uh, address for the podcast. Was it? Was it? Was it enough to spend, or is it all going to be eaten by transaction fees? So this is this is point zero zero two Bitcoin. Someone actually donated. Oh, we have one transaction. Yeah. So uh, whoever did that, thank you. Thank that's, you very much. That's it's awesome. Like, it's like five bucks, I think. Yeah. Or something. So uh, so they, you know, I, I remember we said that was going straight towards uh, you yes. know nonprofit sports league, uh, keeping Paul sports on the field. Um, you know. Let's see what else we got going on. So. That Alphabay stuff just kind of broke out of nowhere. What what happened with Alphabay, Paul? Did you really yes. look into that? Well, it's very terrible. You're asking me. I mean, did you? I, did I, you I read really a little look, bit about it. I, I read into it. It's like the founder like killed himself. He like no, hung himself in well, a cell one, or one something. One guy hung himself awesome. in the cell in Thailand, but it, it was a three country raid, from what I read. Uh, three countries. Uh, uh, I think uh, Thailand, Canada. I forget where else. But the police raided them, and they, they apparently took down Alpha Bay for good. Um, and it wasn't an exit scam, from what I, I hear. They just like they linchpinned them, so they probably got all the Bitcoin. I mean, if they managed to seize it, uh, all the Bitcoin of Monero that would have been on Alpha Bay, which you know, and one guy hung himself in jail. I don't know if he was the ringleader, but he definitely didn't like his prospects. Uh, well, yeah. Paul, did you have anything to add yep. to that? I don't know if you... Well, you know, the interesting thing is that there are already competitors and that it just diverted the demand to them and one had to stop 
I wonder who the big king yeah. is now. I don't Stop even... allowing signups. Do you know? Do you know who and now what? would be the number one darknet market? Now what that I heard, well, I don't know. No, I don't know. But I heard that there's what is like one is like Dream or something, and the other one is like um, starts with a K. I don't really know. All right. So so three topics I want to talk about but personally. Three three topics I want to talk about personally was I want to talk about Wayne's uh, ICO. Is Wayne Vaughn Wayne, Wayne Chain uh, yeah. TNT the Wayne Chain ICO the Wayne Chain ICO the Wayne Chain ICO. I want to talk about yes, the I want to talk about this idea that they think they've kind of captured this Moby whale over the last eighteen months and they found a pattern with spamming. And then I and then I want to talk about uh just general Segwit two X stuff and. Pretty much, I want to kind of focus this next topic at you, Paul. With like, I know like Jeff Garzik is getting like so much hate right now, and like I know that you work for Block with Jeff Garzik. I want to know like how like what your thoughts are on this. So maybe we can just briefly talk about like what you can talk about. Um, and those are the things I want to talk about, Paul. I know sure. you've been really busy. You've been doing. I mean, CoinDesk just so wrote busy. an article about you. You you want to give us a little bit about what you've been doing? I know I know uh, you're well, kind of on limited Monday, on time today. I- Yes, on, on Monday I um, I published this an update to the scalability roadmap to the Bitcoin Dev mailing list. But then something really weird happened where because the update was to Greg Maxwell's original roadmap, which as you probably know ended up being signed by a lot of people and it was hosted on you know like Bitcoin I think BitcoinCore.com and Bitcoin.org or they were you know they were redirecting to each other or something destination was but it ended up being this kind of community statement on the behalf of what you might call big core or what you might also call like the technical community and uh what greg said is that he actually regretted he said something kind of threw a little curveball um and he said that he regretted that the original roadmap had ever been written by him and he regretted that people signed it which is weird because it's been signed by basically everyone, you know, Adam Beck, Peter Todd, Peter Willa. So, so for for everybody's so, reference, the uh, the scaling roadmap. What what did it say? In fact, like what what was it? The original. What alterations did you make make to it, it to update? Okay, so the original was just a big list of where we kind of were with scaling technology and where it was probably going over the next, over the immediate kind of foreseeable future. So like, here's what we should do, here's what we should do, here's what we should do. Um, and then here is like where we might go after that. And then like, we may still need to hard fork to a higher size, respecting SegWit's rescaling. So that's what it was. But when I, that was from December, 2015. So it was very old, mm. early December, 2015, in fact, like December 6th or something. So it was very old. And in fact, parts of it were not even correct. And part, more than half of it we had already completed because, you know, a year and a half has gone by. 17 or 18 months has gone by. So what I did is I just took out all the stuff that had been, moved all the other stuff up and added new things and reemphasized things like Lightning Network and things like Schnorr signature aggregation and Tried, I tried to kind of put more specific like numbers on it because I wanted it to be like a useful communication device. And uh, and so that's what I did before putting it out. And I did circulate it a little bit among people to see if the dates, 
and the uh, numbers made sense. And then people contacted me even after I published it on Monday to say maybe this value should be here or this value should be there. But uh, even though this discussion had kind of started, uh, then Greg moved in and said that there shouldn't be a roadmap at all. So that's, I'm not sure what, I think mean, some I mean, people still after that feel, I mean, I may re try to rephrase it as sort of just like a, you know, forecast of. Well, why why wouldn't we have a roadmap for, for, I mean, okay, it's not an agreement, right? But I mean, it's just like a loose framework, yeah. right? And so it's not like, it's not well, like everybody Greg has agreed to it, you know? I mean, people well, did from sign what I gathered, it, but... You should yeah. probably ask him. Yeah. But from what I gathered um, is that, you know, there was like this uh, kerfuffle about whether or not like Segwit had like a deadline that had been missed. And so I think he just doesn't want to make any promises that can't be kept. Um, I really think that's kind of... Well, Seg Segwit, really sure, you know, to deploy the code legs. base took him a lot longer than they initially anticipated, but, you know... It it got done eventually, right? I mean, it's it's. I don't. Know, to me, roadmaps are not definitive timeline documents. They're they're literally okay. This is the direction we're going. This is what we want to do. I don't know. Maybe that that was. Yeah. The well, I think that anyone who has any, even the smallest experience with software, knows that all the deadlines are always missed. So <laughs> it's like it's not, I don't think ever a software project has ever been finished on time. Yeah, well, I mean, Ever, maybe maybe it shouldn't have wrong, definitive dates in there or anything like that. Just you know, very rough. Yeah, yeah we need we need who's the project there manager? There is a good argument. About, <laughs> uh, this argument from like the same Taleb about whether or not it's better to have a a bad map or no map at all, and that's a legitimate argument. Like sometimes it's better to have no map at all instead of a, a map that's just sort of inaccurate. Uh, but in general, people prefer a map that's like you know. I mean, sort of blurry, you have to have something right not, people uh, can either agree with or disagree with. You know, you have to have some sort of stated plan, right? It, it, you know, it may not be the absolute plan, but you have to start somewhere. If you have no map, you just sit there and you have to rehash the same argument over and over and over, and over again versus, well, you know, well, saying this I is what we want to do. It's like a position statement, right? I think if people, uh, people who work in like a corporate setting – they need some it would they it would benefit them to have some kind of plan and it also benefits them to have like a clear kind of scapegoat or something so like if they get called in by the board or whatever whoever it is and someone says why isn't you know we were supposed to grow by whatever percent this quarter or this year you know that's your job to get the growth up like why isn't it growing people would be able to say something like well you know these we're constrained by this other uh, this other bottleneck. So let's let me show you what it is. Uh, here it is. It's this roadmap. They say they're not going to be finished. They're doing this, then this, then this, then this. And if we want any of that stuff to be finished faster, we're going to spend money on it ourselves. Is this a Bitcoin so it's nice core to have document? A if instead they just have to go in and say, if instead they just have to go in and say, um, like we we can't because Bitcoin Core is like something vague about like they're not really um, they're not being very helpful on scaling front. Uh, then it kind of looks like they're just waffling on the issue or evading the their responsibilities. Or, but if they have some tangible thing and say, like, look, this is the plan, the technical community feels this way, we feel different. Even if they disagree, it's more helpful because if the conversation does currently has no progress, it's just it's just lots and lots of different people, and they each have their own nuanced opinion. And so it'd be easier if you could just cut people into little groups and say, okay, here are these groups, and here's this little summary of what they 
think, and here's what we'd have to change if we wanted that to be different. I think doesn't Luke Dash Jr. kind of try to do some stuff like that, especially with like the different people who want Segway and all this other stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Well, like, Luke's a very know? interesting guy for sure. I mean, I don't know what his opinion on. I mean, I did show uh, a draft to him and some other people, and he didn't seem to think anything about it was weird or objectionable. I mean, all these lots of people. What's weird for me is that a lot of people did sign Greg Maxwell's original roadmap. But now he's sort of saying that what all those people did, myself included, signing by signing it, they misrepresented the views of the author, which is <clears throat> I don't know that is what it is. So so is this like a Bitcoin core document or what would you know, what does it fall under? I mean, like you said it was hosted on what Bitcoin.com or or, or Yeah, it was very Bitcoin.org um, rather. I was seen as very authoritative. In my opinion, I mean, I think if you go to it's on both, but I think if you go to the one on Bitcoin.org, it, it will redirect you. So if you just search like Bitcoin score, Core Scaling Roadmap, so it, it's a right it's now. a core document. So it's part of you know, I Bitcoin think so. Core. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, no if, if Maxwell really, made it, it there's probably a little bit is of a shell game. There's a little bit of a shell game here where like people say. We the, there's a peer there's a consensus that X Y Z is believed, but then if someone says anything about core, they say, "Well, no one can speak for core." Core is a bit yeah, like anonymous that way. Yeah. So right. So it's kind of like they there's kind of like a bit of a having it both ways, uh, where it's there's a unified scientific consensus, but then it's you know it can't be described. It, no one can be ascribed to it. So it's very amorphous in that way so uh what's what is the the okay so the the current document uh is you know you just updated a couple of dates and stuff uh it's still uh lightning network schnorr and uh on-chain scaling via block size increase and now of course drive chains right yes i added my own idea but i admitted that in the email i said well you know i'm campaigning my own idea into this and i'm also campaigning i had i drew a distinction between capacity which I think is what people really care about, which is yeah. the transactions per second, and scalability, which is processing each transaction with fewer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's an important distinction. Yeah, very important distinction. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's what I thought, and that's what I did. Um, I don't know. So, like, I'm not sure what the fate of that. I'm going to have to definitely like retitle that and sort of say it's just like a a friendly forecast and I'll probably have to say like in sort of the first sentence or something that no one is committing to any of these dates or anything. This is just consensus of experts on what is kind of currently being played around with, but yeah, I, I don't I, really know. I mean, I thought that's already what I don't think was, I don't just don't I, see how any reasonable person could take a roadmap as a commitment, you know? It's it's just not that's not what that is. Whatever. But no, very interesting. Well, I don't know. I really I yeah, it is interesting. I have I don't really have the most experience in managing large software projects. So I don't know if maybe there there is something about the word roadmap that implies that it is No, no, that of, would be like a project timeline or, you know, something like yeah. that or <laughs> Yeah, I mean, roadmap when, is usually when, very uh, broad. When when you do make a roadmap like that, are you kind of assuming position of project manager, or is that more like who's who is the project manager of Bitcoin? Well, I th 
I think when you when you, by just by writing something like that, I obviously was asserting a kind of authority of a kind. But I thought I just kind of wrote. I mean, I took I tried to take all the dates from other people's original. Everyone's, or I had you know there are a lot of like links and sort of citations in there. So like when I talk about the Lightning Network, I point out that we already made a Lightning transaction over Litecoin, and the networks are interoperable. So I'm like you know like Lightning Network is usable in some sense. Of course, there's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, routing, uh, which I you know like to clarify. But the Lightning Network is going to be a big project. But like you know, like it's not like it's just a theoretical idea. We have it; it's on Litecoin right now. Would you call? Does that? Well, no. I was really wondering, like, would you call like Greg Maxwell the project? Because I know, I know he doesn't really write a lot of code. He mainly reviews code. Is he mainly the project technical project manager of Bitcoin? Or who at like Blockstream or who in within Core is like really kind of leading that roadmap or like going along and making sure some of those things get done? Is that Adam back? Who is it? Well, you know, I don't know. You would think, I would think it would be, if it would be anyone, it would be Adam back because Adam back tries to like stay really well informed of what everyone is doing. I think he always knows like what everyone's doing. That's like his thing. Um, so I think it would kind of be like him, and I did share it with Tim as well to try and get some of the dates on some of the Blockstream stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know, but see, in Greg's response, he actually shot down both Luke and uh, Doctor Back, which was again kind of weird, where he said that Luke's views are very kind of fringe, and that Adam Back doesn't have a lot to do with the Bitcoin project, which I thought was ridiculous. But that's what he. That's yeah, feels, there's a lot of uh, you know, it's, it's it's not a cohesive group over there. That's for one, you know, for sure. A uh, lot, lot of yeah, differing opinions. Way, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it could, it, I mean, blocks that way too, right? I mean, you know, you don't agree with Garzik all the time. Oh, right? yeah. Well, I think so. yeah. Well, that's an interesting point. Is like, does it really matter like where anyone works? I think sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, which is kind of funny. Answer to that question. Well, at the end of yeah, the day, though, you do have a box, a boss, and you are employed. And conceivably, the boss could terminate your employment if you know you sure. step out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of speaking of Block and Jeff Garzik, what's what do you think about all the tons of hate that's been going towards Jeff Garzik recently? Okay. I think you asked how, me about how much of this can you talk about? <laughs> so, well, I can't. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure I'll talk about. It. I'm just I'm complaining about your. I know I'm sitting right next to you in Atlanta, but Come I'm on, also man. complaining about your upstream bandwidth. Paul, it doesn't. I mean, Paul, it doesn't matter. Arm, we're right here, buddy. Where I know we're sitting right next to each other, and I can definitely very clearly hear everything. So, every so he was asking say. about the uh, the massive amount of hate and trolling that uh, Jeff Garzik is now currently yes. experiencing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Yes, well, the environment is very polarizing. So, people who want to like, uh, if you want to like impress some elite person like uh, Greg Maxwell, for example, you have two routes: there's the easy way and the hard way. The hard way is to become like, in like an ultra developer, computer science, yeah. and impress him on merit. And the other way is to just insult people who are on the opposing faction, and that goes for Roger Veer goes for everyone as well like it really it hits that emotional button doesn't it it hits that button these people sorry it hits that emotional button you know whenever you see somebody who agrees with you just tear into somebody who doesn't you know (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, well, human beings are very political animals. Yeah. Um, so, okay. so that we have a lot of that going on right now. This is, you know, what I predicted, and I predict in. Um, I wrote a post in, uh, I think it was July 2015, about how the block size debate was really just about an empirical question on what whether Bitcoin would be more valuable with larger blocks or smaller blocks, and you could just solve this with futures markets. And everyone could go home. But the problem is that I think it's, um, well, it's kind of complicated, but I think a lot of people derive a lot of their, they get a lot of, no one really wants to, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. Like people get have a lot of fun joining little teams and they want to be the people who are the wise deciders of Bitcoin and they want the other person to be wrong. And if there were just some simple empirical test that picked the side, it kind of ruined the fun, I think. A lot of people are so, enjoying this in a weird way. You see a lot but of it has nothing tribalism. to do it has very little to do with science. It's just like people are just both people claim the moral high ground. One thing I will say is that Jeff is getting a lot of flack for um acquiring Scry, which used to be Chainalysis. Mm-hmm. And people are saying that Jeff Garzik wants to have transactions on chain, you know, for like chain analysis reasons or something uh that's to the best of my knowledge which is better than most i assume uh that's completely false because he was only we're only hiring the people from scry and we they had technology that was like very good at pre-processing data in the blocks and i'm pretty sure i told this to a few people i don't want to throw them under the bus right now because i can't remember but i think some of the people who are criticizing him online i told this like in person maybe in may or so but the point is scry just had like great technology for like quickly processing blockchain transactions and they had just done that kind of you know like that kind of work you know like there's there's lots of different kinds of dev work there's like stuff that you're really interested in then there's like endlessly removing memory leaks and very boring things that so they had done like stuff like that so that so does efficient. does Scry do uh, do they Nothing still in their current do they uh, still do any chain analysis or is it you know they pretty much been yeah, dismantled no, for that? There's no I it's, to the best of my knowledge, Block does no like government um, like uh, what chain analysis did where they were going to sell to the government and have report to the government on who was owning which Bitcoin addresses. Block does not do anything like that at all. So to the extent they do anything on chain, it's just like kind of what you might call like a weather report or sort of just stuff like what is happening in the block. Stuff that's very similar uh, in quality or in kind to what you get on blockchain.info and other stuff like that. So, you know, basic analytics like blockchain.info, trade block, all that. Um, so, yeah, something like that. Okay. So it's basically like, uh, you know, uh, block bot. Uh, what is it again? Scry. Scry. So block bought Scry so it could snarf uh, snarf in the information at a quicker rate, basically with lower overhead. Is basically what it is. They had some better, they had some good technology is my understanding, but it was also they wanted to hire the people, the, the engineering talent that was there. Because as you probably know, it's like almost impossible to hire. It's a very small pool. Good. <laughs> yeah. So that was... I think that was, I think most of it was just a hire. It was like an Acura hire 
and I think the technology came along for the ride. How big is That's Block now? The extent of it really it has uh, nothing to do with. Them. How many employees are, are in Block? Probably like it used to be like yeah, it's probably getting up to like twenty. Almost 20 people, maybe 18. And that's including the guys from Scry? Well, I, think, I think that was a yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, did I say I, you guys can't hear me? I can't hear you. I thought you could hear me perfectly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you didn't. I think you missed the question. I said, is that including no, the guys from Scry? It, no, it's just my download sucks too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's just, it's yes, just, uh, it does include them. Yeah. <laughs> 18 including them. So, so it sounds like, uh, sounds like Paul, you're, you're very in the middle, rational guy. You don't let uh, Jeff Garzik Segwit 2X push affect anything that you're doing. Sounds like you have a lot of freedom. Sounds like uh, Block is, uh, doesn't, oh, doesn't, doesn't yes. push any of its, uh, doesn't push any of its, like, you know, I don't know, philosophies or agenda. Motive, agenda. agenda. Yeah. Say. Doesn't uh, push no, their agenda on any other that. employees or anything. Yes, I would definitely say that. Jeff does not. Of course, we've we had like long email exchanges back and forth, just as I have with lots of people who aren't aren't my boss. But you know, but Jeff and I have gone back and forth on whether or not what Segwit Two X is about. I mean, I think really the thing is, I really think that everyone has a position that's more reasonable. I wonder about. Uh, um, sorry, that was a lot of false starts there. But basically, my position is that, or what I'm coming to understand is I think that people have been waiting for like the big subversive government attack of Bitcoin. And I think meanwhile, it's like, it's not, it hasn't really even like happened yet or at all. And maybe everyone's distracted by Donald Trump or something. But um, I think instead it's just like creating a kind of paranoia that's tearing up. I really think every single person's views are very normal and reasonable. I know the people who were doing the, the emergency extension box, which included like Joseph Poon and like the purse guys, like they were really concerned about a hard fork, the mining, the Chinese miners. So they were trying to just like, you know, a lot of people are just trying to do like the set, what they think is the second best because they think there's some disaster looming. And we could even put UASF maybe in that vein. What I doubt a lot of the people who are pushing UASF actually even want it to activate that way. I think they just want to threat so that it's activated by miners the normal way. And well, I think that so that, you know, it would make it into a segue to X. Yeah, if, if that so was their goal, it was effective, right? I mean, because it looks like yeah, we're right, getting... that would have worked if yeah. that was the plan. It's like a necessary... It did, I mean, well, I mean, we might know. We, then now is when we'll know, right? Because it's the last difficulty period. Yeah. Like this bit, right? Like we're two weeks out from August. We're getting 1st, so. really, really close. I actually did want to. I want to talk a little bit about it because I don't think we've talked about it in a while. But uh, it's now uh, Bitcoin ABC. Just to make sure, because I know we've talked heavily about UASF and Segwit and 2X. Like, you mean like branding? No, no, mean? no, no, no. Bitcoin. Okay, so there's BTC one, which is doing Segwit 2X, but Jihan's hard fork is Bitcoin ABC. So that that activates in the scenario where Segwit doesn't pass. So it's very, very unlikely that, you know, Segwit is not going to pass, but, you know, I, I What think does ABC stand for? It, I don't know. Does it stand for some Chinese <laughs> no, words? No, I, I, don't, I don't even know. It's just Bitcoin ABC. So we have BTC1. What's I the just, one for? I have no idea. Well, no, I mean, like, Jihan probably just was like, oh, the first three letters of the American alphabet. I think They'll that's go what it, it is. I think that's what it is. But, but I mean, okay. they just gave themselves a name. The names are relevant. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's Jihan's fork that's an answer to UASF. 
it's it's what the hard fork that will occur if SegWit isn't activated under UASF. So like if for some reason SegWit 2x fails, like so like if Jihan himself or some of the other miners peel off and decide we're not going to implement SegWit 2x, right? And it doesn't reach the 80% threshold, then UASF of course will activate on August, August 1st. August 1st, yeah. And then Bitcoin ABC we'll will start perform August 2nd. a hard third i believe okay we'll perform a hard fork uh on august 3rd okay um, so that that'll be the scenario that goes down there and um and and that is just gonna and, be and is, he still, is he still planning to secretly attack the chain for like two weeks and then undoubtedly but i mean or yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are calling that an empty threat by the way what do you mean a lot of people are calling that an empty threat in the dojo well wait, wait, that, that that i want to make a note real quick we we no longer have a coin dojo it is we we temporarily went to ICO Dojo and then went to the Token Dojo. So we are, uh, and we can get into Wayne Chain after this. But uh, sorry, just want to make a note. It's the Dojoers that are that are saying that. Yeah. Well, very uh, what's, very what's smart, their point? influential what's, what's their point though? I mean, like, what's the argument? I mean, because I don't I don't know that I understand what they're saying exactly. It, empty threat, essentially. Oh, the the hard fork. No. For Bitcoin attacking APC? attacking the US UASF chain. So it depends on what taking you, a portion of the mining and attacking. it depends on what you define the UASF chain as. I mean, if if you're talking about it versus the hard fork, then uh, you know if if the hard fork does garner minority support, then the entire old chain becomes the UASF chain. In which case, attacking it would be effective. If you're talking about a scenario where they don't hard fork. And instead, there's ma majority mining power on the non-UASF side. Then you're they're right. It doesn't matter because it's just it's a soft fork. It's either going to gain uh, majority hash rate and overtake the other chain, or it's not one or the other. Uh, so so in that case, they're correct. But it depends on the circumstance you're talking about. There's a lot of ways this can play out. Hey, I know uh, Paul today is limited on time. Did we want to jump straight to TNT? Talk about our boy Wayne. Sure, is that okay? Or did you want to make some final notes on that comments, Paul? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin ABC, uh, Paul? Yeah. So that's a really important thing. I mean, I mean, I just think that Drive Chain is better than I like Segwit. Uh, you know, and um, I think lots of people do. I'm not. I think it's really kind of look in hindsight. I think it really shouldn't have been bundled with a block size increase. It should have just been like some weird thing. That, and it should we should have just rescaled it to like one megabyte. We should have had the weight limit be uh, the block weight instead of being four megabytes, which it is now. It should have been just kept at one megabyte, and maybe all this confusion would have been avoided. I, uh, but that's hindsight. Uh, so I'm, I'm pro SegWit, and I just think that drive chain is better than a hard fork to two megabytes, especially a fast one that's rushed like this, and especially also even one that takes a long time because drive chain will just be finished by the time that they a slow hard for so that's why i work for to try and make drive chain happen really soon large block side chain and uh that's kind of what i think everyone should really be focusing on but i guess only a few people agree i mean a few people do agree so that's like i think i've got like adam back and luke jr kind of and i've got some other people and i have like uh chris stewart is like so they're like some people who 
agree, but I well, I mean, really yeah, if if, if you're talking about if you're talking now. about that, you, if you have Adam back agreeing and Luke Jr. and also Jeff Garzik, who who is your boss and supports you Jeff in this Garzik, endeavor. <laughs> Roger and, Vier, uh, Jihan Wu, Wu and Roger Ver. I mean, that's so that's everybody. Mouth, but that is everybody. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I literally can't so think of a constituency why, it's not covered. So, <laughs> except maybe Greg Maxwell well, doesn't like it for some reason. Just wants it to be finished. Yeah. Yeah, Greg so, Maxwell will be the final ingredient. Oh, just so so. What's his? The, uh, what is his opinion on drive chains? So far as you know, like he hasn't shared, but he he did when I in, in the course of the back and forth after the roadmap on monday tuesday he did say somewhere that i had addressed that there that there um i don't want, i don't want to misquote him but he said something like that he wasn't convinced yet and that i had to respond to some concerns of his but he didn't explain what those were and i said well hopefully you'll explain what those concerns are what about sometime. peter todd is he on and board then he said it was off topic and then he said it was off topic in that mailing list thread, but he could have obviously have easily easily have gone back to the different thread where it was on topic and posted them there, as is obvious to everyone. So I'm not sure when he's gonna do that, if ever. And I I really look forward because he is the ultimate, you know I mean Peter Todd did uh, I dueled Peter Todd on the mailing list like twice so far. Uh, and that was certainly like the height of the challenge. Yeah, if somebody's going to poke like, holes, yeah, it's going to be Peter year, Todd. Basically, to have one <laughs> conversation with Peter Todd, so that was like a big one. And um, but then Greg Maxwell is probably the only thing that's comparable to that. And I spent a lot of time researching Peter Todd's complaints in advance so that I would know what they were. Uh, but I don't know what Greg is thinking. Although I do, I sneakily suspect that he aware of part four of a presentation I did on sidechain risks because there's this paper and there's this belief about fees collapsing to zero that I have counter arguments to. And I think that that's one of his, but I don't know what his are because he won't share them, which is very unsportsmanlike, I have to say, as Paul Sports, Master of Sports. Um, you should really do the honorable is thing and say what the objections are. You should not just say that you have some somewhere secretly and that you're just waiting for everyone to i don't know like why is he why would he allow what uh i forget what team was he such a strong supporter what what team was greg uh what team was greg maxwell playing for again paul what team was he playing? he's he's got to be the um what team is he on he would definitely be the uh, pepe cash alt right yes he's the uh wide receiver wow i'm I'm glad his beard doesn't get in in the way uh with that that's great yeah that's a, well. That's the only team that can put up with. You know, the, everyone on that team is very, <laughs> passion, very passionate about football or whatever they're playing and their version of it. And that is that's the unbridled expression um, of that team. So, like, uh, well, but so if if Segwit doesn't pass, going back to Bitcoin ABC for just a second, then that hard fork, it's it's not going to have Segwit in it, right? Uh, it's just going to be a straight like it's eight, just, eight megabyte it, hard. It's fork. literally going to be R- Roger Veer's wet dream. Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, I really, I really, really hope that doesn't happen because we're just we're very close to a compromise now, and, and you know, and I and I understand your reservations about the uh, two megabyte hard fork, but you know, I, I I'd rather make sure we can actually do a hard fork, and that that's going to be a conceivable thing going forward. Although the risks are they're they're large, but 
if Bitcoin can't fork, it's it's, well, it's think, dead. I mean, everyone's not really getting what they want. It's a it's not really a good comp. Some people say a good compromise is when everyone is unhappy. I don't know. I just think a good compromise is when everyone is happy. Like <laughs> like I just don't understand so much fight for just a, a tiny little two megabytes, so small. And I can give <laughs> well, I have math. And Bitcoin discuss, or I can get twenty megabytes with the large block. Well, let's let's be fair because because um, with Segwit chain. involved too, it's it's more it's more like a realistic of like four, right, or three point eight or something like that. With with the increase, well, that's with from, Segwit. yeah, uh, with Segwit yeah. and the two X. So so be, I mean, it's enough to tide us over. With two X, it would be Segwit with the two X could be like yeah, yeah, uh, like realistically 4. almost Maybe four or so. Five for average use. But like um so that kind of leads us into the next one. I don't know how long you can stick around, but uh the the what was it the whale? Oh, uh, well, yeah, uh, I mean, we might as well talk about the most important stuff uh with limited amount of time. So what do you think I, to me we we were we were kind of hinting at this last week kind of speculating on what might have been the spam and it seemed like someone feels like they're they're sure that it was a concerted effort to spam the network versus like maybe people dropping off the network because they got disenfranchised because of high fees. It seems like uh, to me that people have at least done a little bit of analysis and see that there's a, a clear enough sign where there was some kind of spamming, uh, you know, did you see that effort. tweet, Paul, where the guy had the charts? Well, well, I have no idea. I know that there obviously there was a lot of uh, demand for network block space. Uh, and it went down kind of mysteriously recently, um, and things have been quite harmonious over the last mm, two weeks or whatever it is. Um, and so I have no idea about. I haven't checked any of this analysis, and I don't really want to comment on it because I don't know anything about it. But uh, just psychologically, um, I, my money would be on uh, Olivier Jansen's if it were someone who's rich and crazy enough to. A huge, uh, a big blocker team, and kind of, yeah. Just well, yeah. It's it, type it, of person to do it. Just on first glance, to me, it looks like something fishy was definitely going on. Um, so the guy that that posted it was Laurent MT on yeah, Twitter. Laurent MT on Twitter, and yeah, he, he has a bunch of graphs. Uh, I don't, yeah, and okay. I have no way to validate if any of these are scientific. Or not? I I only saw them very briefly today, so yeah, I haven't had a chance to look over it. And uh, uh, a couple of people asked him uh, if if he was going to write a paper on it uh, and, and do a full in depth review. Because if you just see the graphs, it's really hard to show exactly what his point is uh, and exactly how he manipulated to come up with. I'll the, share I'll yeah. share the screen with the uh, people yeah, watching on. Uh, I mean, uh, let's see. I think that's very interesting, though. I have no. I agree with you that like we have no real way of of knowing. Yeah, we don't. But <clears throat> I mean, stuff like this always intrigues me because there's always telltale markers of something going on. You can reconstruct maybe not who did it, but that somebody did something uh, with a, with enough evidence. Yeah, well, the weirdest event is that the network congestion has consistently fallen by a large magnitude over the recent past. And why would that happen? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Right? Because there's, there's, like, there's no, no reason for that no to happen reason. at all. Because yeah. it's been growing at, you know, yeah, it, with it, positive first it, and second derivatives. So so there was something, because I was reading a little bit about it, and I don't, I don't grok it at all, but he was talking about uh, a 
pool of UTXOs. And uh, it was it was something that was done way back in 2015. There were just a ton of transactions splitting it out into UTXOs and and doing dust. And then there was something you know these transactions were like recombining those, uh, and and then they were paying fees and putting in the mempool. But they looked like based on the way it was done, I guess it looked like it was normal transaction flow versus just one guy doing it. You know, because if it all came from like one address it would, you know, it's e- easy to tell that some guy spamming it. But, you know, again, jury's, jury's definitely out because, you know, but uh, I think it's, it's interesting well, it's analysis. Because one thing that would happen, as I say, the, is the fall in the, if you compare it to war manipulation in another world where there was no manipulation, in the world that there was no manipulation, you would need to have some ex- explanation for why uh, the the backlog of tra- why the demand for block space has fallen like in the recent past you know over the last month from from what it was previously doing which was growing by a lot and really bidding up these fees and that was at a time when people were trying to make a very persuasive case using that fact as evidence say look the right you know the blocks are full the fees are high so you'd have to have an alternate explanation if it was not manipulated if you compare the two worlds you'd have to say well bitcoin became really unpopular in the summer because people don't use the computer very much and yeah i remember mike Kern saying something like that like there are seasonal variations in like i still don't think that would use. account for so this that, level of a drop but then my though. point is you would need something like that yeah you you would have my to have something is, sorry, in I read that article. I can't hear you at all, so I have oh. no idea if I'm interrupting you or not until long after this. That's okay. I've started speaking. But so, so yeah, no, I, I agree. That, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying you need some explanation. So, yeah, I, it would have to be something like that. Um, if you, you just need some story for why it, it's going down, but I don't know what that is. It'd have to be a pretty big seasonal effect if that were the story. Um, yeah, it's I'm not convinced a seasonal effect could be a what, drop what's of the, this magnitude. What's the likelihood that... Well, maybe it is, though. I don't know. Might. Check. There's a chance. Someone what, should check what the seasonal effect What's is. the likelihood that someone, like a big player, uh, some you know big organization or whatever, was maybe black market or not, was using Bitcoin, and then the fees got too high, and then they found a cheaper solution temporarily, temporarily and then they never switched back to Bitcoin when the fees went down? Uh, like stuff like that happening. Is that just so yeah. like low probability? Is that so lo- yeah, low probability? I'm just wondering. Yeah, growth growth was pushed into altcoins and then the altcoins had so much extra space that the growth didn't need to return. There's like a fixed cost to switching and so they switched when they needed to, but now they don't want to switch. But back it seems like it seems like to me company no to sell off. Hold it seems like to me that's a very unpopular opinion to have no see see uh, to me i'm just curious it doesn't make sense because it would would have uh, accompanied with a sell-off before this so you would see a sell-off of people who are no longer using bitcoin they would sell out of it before they stop using it you know and we didn't see that because the sell-off came after the drop well no i I wouldn't say that i would say what you would really look for is is uh is liquidity like how much more were they because they could have been just using it as a medium of of exchange as well a lot i mean they could have just uh, been relative see then what you could say the story could be that it's you would see relatively more interest in altcoins and that would fit 
So, and that would fit like Coinbase, you know, switching to or adding Litecoin, Ethereum, whatever, and Monero and all this other stuff. So, um, the uh, so that kind of could be a story that there's a big fixed cost to switching from Bitcoin to Monero or whatever. And once they switch because of Bitcoin's fees, they didn't switch back when the fees started coming down on Bitcoin because I, now I, they have a new process that they don't want to change. I, I mean, so I mean that's, possible, that's, I that's entirely possible. But I mean, to me, these things usually, if it's something like that, they reach a homeostasis. So it's like, well, fees go high and then less people use it and then they drop and then people start using it again because it's cheaper now. And so so it like it bounces up and levels. And and really, we've just seen like just a ridiculous, just straight a straight up drop. So I, I don't know. It's yeah, really hard to tell. The magnitude of the drop is very significant. I, yeah, I, I I think yeah. I think that they're they're likely, in my opinion, was was spamming going on. I mean, <laughs> it's, I. It's hard to know. I wonder who would be the people that would really know these exchanges and people like Eric Voorhees, or would who like who who really knows these? Who knows how to answer these? I, questions I want to read this guy's spammer. research. I want to read this guy's research because it sounded like he was on to something uh, with the, what, what he was saying. But you I know, like, I guess like chain analysis might have some influence. You see, this is like that's quite ironic. I mean, what I was thinking was it would be nice to get the guy on. You could talk, contact the guy who did the research. And I would like to know, like, if he has responses to, like, other – I mean, again, I haven't even read it at all, so I feel bad even talking about it. But I think, like, does has he considered, like, the seasonal argument effect? Has he considered, like, a fall in the demand for Bitcoin's block space as a result of Coinbase and these other places switching to having – So, so what, what he did – because he didn't even do much of a write-up, he just he plotted a bunch of of transactional information on on graphs uh, with uh, how long ago the the coins have been sitting, and that, that was the analysis he did. And he saw a linear progression of uh, coins that were moved out at one specific point in time. Uh, they they were uh, those that set of UTXOs was growing in movement. Uh, with a linear progression as time went by. So somebody, so what he's theorizing is somebody was deliberating because they put out a massive blanket transaction. Like they, they did a bit of a spam, the old 2015 spam attacks. Remember those? Well, that, that was the seed and it created a bunch of UTXOs that now feed into um, what, what it was the long-term spam attack. That's his theory. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't comment yeah. on the seasonal factor I mean, or anything. He's just purely looking at those UTXOs. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting. It's very interesting. Oh, no, I think that's, I mean, that's fine. But, I mean, like, you could change the plot so that it was just from, it was always from, it's like from, it goes from March to, you know, you could you could change it so that it starts on March 1st every single time, every single year. And then it's renormalized to an index of 100 every March 1st. And then you could plot for different years. You could plot some some variable or something. You could say whatever it was. Then you'd look at it and you'd see like right in the middle of the graph would be the summer, and at the end of the graph would be February, the winter. And so you'd be able to just see for each year whether or not this is something that happens every year, or that this is something that only happened when people wanted political clout. Yeah, P part of this, you know, the problem is a lack of data in general because I mean the the data that's around. 
Well, yeah, there's, there's blockchain data, but I mean, it's 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 such okay. a different environment this year than it was three years ago. You know what I mean? So there could be seasonal effects yeah, that, that are just now becoming apparent that have never been a thing before. It's it's really yeah, hard to tell. Course, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's so early still. All right. Well, great, great talk on on that. Uh, I guess we'll we'll see where it goes. If it stays low, if it goes high again, we'll see. Um, it must have been expensive if somebody was doing well, it. Well, we we, we have a question on the YouTube channel. Uh, Honkin Poser says, if we assume it was all spam, can we qu quantify how much that spam attack would have cost daily and in total? And yeah. I would say, yeah, we definitely should be able to. Yeah, I would say, I would say you'd be yeah, able to calculate. Low, I'd be able to say you'd be able to calculate past how much it costs, but it's hard to probably project how much it would cost because of, uh, you know, the more you spam, yeah, the higher it would be. You could, you could look at the past. Exactly how many bitcoins were paid in transaction fees and multiply that by the bitcoin, the, each of those times, and yeah. then add all that together. Yeah, you could definitely you could look back in history and figure that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that would be interesting. So if it didn't really cost that much, I would say it probably was a spam attack. But if it cost a ton, then I would say maybe not. Well, what's because. a ton to you? I mean, it's relative. Well, yeah, you got, you, like you said, Olivia, Roger. I would say if it costs more than $50,000, it's probably... A day? So I don't know how much it costs. $50,000 a day? No, one hundred fifty dollars total. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I mean... I'm th I'm thinking it would I don't know. So I, no I, I think it's it's probably a mistake to price it in dollars. It, it's He's probably, sending the money to himself, so it's only the transaction fees. But it's it's probably a mistake to price anything in dollars because really what it's about is how much Bitcoin was it? Because you know the the dollar value could go oh, up, go maybe. down. If that's your thing, you know what I mean. You're not really concerned with the dollar value if you've already allocated you know ten thousand Bitcoin to this effort. Because you want to push the agenda. I, don't know. I can see it either way. I don't know. I yeah. think probably, especially if you have to restock your know. Bitcoin. I don't know either. I guess, but well, no, no. The whole premise of this theory is that it was set up in advance, two years in advance. This was planned out. That's the whole premise of his theory: is somebody dispersed the UTXO set so they could do this without being. Well, detected. yeah, but you don't know if they're recouping their Bitcoin. You know what's funny? Yeah. You know what happened around the same time? I remember somebody signed up for some stupid reason. With like you know extra like twenty thousand or no an extra like two thousand accounts on on our Bitcoin, somebody was just like spamming a, you know accounts and aging them on our Bitcoin for some stupid reason, uh, and, and that happened about the same time this was seeded. Well, they I wanted think. to use them later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so <laughs> I think yeah, but that was back in two thousand fifteen when that happened. So that's that's interesting. Maybe that was related. I don't know. Well, I guess it was just a bunch of users with no posts. That's the only way you know. Well, no, I mean, or, it was it was because it was, yeah, it was a bunch of users with no posts, but I mean, it was just like the the volume of them coming in and, and you could see them all were like, they were like randomly generated names. They weren't like, you know, <laughs> okay. they weren't like normal Reddit usernames. They like were like 21. Yeah, they were, they were, you know. All right. So, so, all right, let's, let's talk about TNT, Wayne Chain, the Tyrion token sale. What do you think, Paul? What do you think, Mike? I haven't read that much about it. I read the um, white paper. Well, I mean, and I, I know Paul did because like he's an advisor. Paul's an advisor. Aren't you an advisor, Paul? Uh, no, I, for Chainpoint, uh, yeah, Wayne and I have talked, and we were at a workshop for a whole day. Um, but that's you know, so that has nothing to do with the ICO. That long predates the ICO. 
So I'm not an advisor on the ICO or for his company in general, just for Chainpoint, which is very simple. So, so um, what do you think, Paul? Are you going to know you buying into TNT? Sorry? <laughs> I don't plan on buying any myself, but um, I don't know what the. So I have, let me, let me give a background. For, yeah, please do. Let me, let me give a background Sorry. and Paul correct me. I said, I'm going to give a background and Paul, you correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. All right. All right. So, so to me, TNT is being used instead of uh, API. So to pretty much say, all right, if I want to be this chain point service provider, I can collect uh, a bunch of people sending me transactions to Tyrion itself, and then I'll collect and make my own Merkle root and you know my Merkle tree, and then I'll send that up to Tyrion, the big boy. But in order for me to peg all my customers and all my data to Tyrion, I need to pay in this token. So it's an idea that anyone around the world doesn't have to do any kind of you know fiat processing or whatever. Anyone, any company can just use this token instead. And then pretty much just using that instead of uh, paying for like an API uh, program or whatever. But this is also meant to have thought to help with scalability because these people will also kind of, you know, take load off. I mean, to me, they would only be bringing in new customers. So it wouldn't really be like scaling the core, but it would be like bringing in, you know, where you have to essentially pay to use the main core uh, Tyrion, uh, like, you know, I would, I would call it like the Tyrion chain. So I don't I don't know. It, to me, it, it's always seemed like I, I always liked the value proposition of, of Tyrion because it wasn't a tokenized asset, and you could just you know pay for access to this API. Yeah, so they still have that. So they okay. So, so it's a separate so if service. I'm a, so if I'm a developer, I can still use their open API. Okay, but if I'm going to call their API like a thousand times per second for like the next year, I have to now become a Chainpoint service provider and start. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe there's like some like where I can still do like pay like a normal API service. I don't know. Maybe Paul can answer this, but or maybe Wayne ha will ha would have to. But well, we should try to get Wayne on here. And, yeah, we and should just, just ask him. him. Yeah. I mean, because honestly, I, you know, I don't know enough about this uh, about the the ICO aspect of of Tyrion to know exactly. Well, he, yeah. well, to me, it was it was like two main purposes: one, to raise money, and two, to actually have a token that would be used for some kind of utility. That could be used, like, because they actually have a plan that we actually will have a utility pretty easily to say, like, okay, they're they're already a company, they already have a service. This token will actually have a value, even though it might not be more efficient than an API call. It it might be for someone in a foreign so country versus it, using. It makes like, it seem a lot more like Factum now, because I mean that was that Factum, was always how Factum appeared to me. No right? way, because Factum like, Factum was trying to do stuff with like a like a blockchain for like provenance of like land titles and like actually like put the asset right. on the blockchain this is literally just using the blockchain as a payment mechanism so, okay this is all it's using to me that's that's all it's using this idea of ethereum tokens or whatever they'll end up ultimately i mean it's right so now it's, it's, it's an erc20 token yeah mm. and and they're pretty much in my opinion just using it as this is a permissioned payment for his Tyrion. Network. yeah to, yeah. to to peg a massive amount of data to the Tyrion. uh ledger i mean i mean they yeah. they have like their own calendar I service i would i would going, like to so. hear the whole story we should we should yeah. have wayne on next week paul if he can. paul yeah. i didn't i probably didn't do that justice what do you have to add to to what i just said well i mean not really a lot i mean the whole thing uh, the unfortunate thing about the time stamping time stamping is awesome and i think it's a great use case for bitcoin um the problem with time stamping has always been that 
it can at most cost one transaction fee <laughs> to timestamp your data, and that's the upper bound. And then the lower bound is basically as close to zero as you can be because this Merkle tree, Merkle receipt concept. Yep. So it's very difficult to uh, monetize the timestamping because it's so cheap. And, you know, those open timestamps run by uh, notorious uh, perfectionists, let's say, Peter Todd. And, um, you know, I like, I'm pretty sure that that's free and it will, might be free for, I don't know, if he, maybe the business models, they sell support for it, which is very much like a red hat type thing. Um, so I don't know. So that's what, just like, the API the based timestamping service. The crux of the matter is that it's very difficult to. I mean the it, the the for the so person deep. actually doing the chain point anchoring, uh, if you do that for an entire year to like most of the blocks in the blockchain, it can get kind of expensive. So it, you'll have like maybe like these third tier, second tier kind of providers that only do uh, anchor like once a day or once a week, where you're not getting like the granularity proof that maybe tiering would provide i guess maybe that would be the value add they put a transaction in every block do they or? no they could because they, they might have the capital to do that over a smaller or individual well, no, i'm talking about I'm Tyrion now what what what's their what how often do they commit timestamps I, I don't know i know i know it's probably if it's not every block it's every other block i mean because whenever i use their service i get a receipt and it's it's usually the next block where so I'm, i would say I would say normally, without me knowing too much about Tyrion, is every single block they have a transaction. But I mean, if they miss a block, it's not the end of the world, you know. Mm -hmm. So because they, they they hit a lot of blocks. All right, so uh, I think we I think we hit most of the talking points. Uh, I did want to say I'm guessing everyone saw that that guy on on uh, Twitter blew up, or you know he buy was at Bitcoin the Jan guy. yeah buy Bitcoin guy. He went to, Janet Yellen was talking. He was in the background had a sign that said oh. buy Bitcoin. And then everyone came up with little memes like with Fluffy Pony and Vitalik. <laughs> so funny, oh, Monero. So the funny. Monero one was so funny. Don't buy Monero. So classic. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, that was that was the classic. funniest. I, I laughed so hard. Monero joke. I fall for it. I fall for it every time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the funny part is he raised more money than the than the WannaCry ransomware. I That's think. hilarious. Yeah. That's so because funny. I checked. I checked. Uh, I checked his. I, I actually. I so so you know how he had the the you know he wrote out his public address. I actually typed it in character by character into uh, blockchain.info, and he had like six point something Bitcoin. I've been like I was monitoring that throughout the week, seeing how like his donations. The WannaCry person only got like four Bitcoin or like three point nine, which was like, oh my god, dude, you raised more money than this like prolific but hack. That's what that's what that's the message that what you want to do if you want to hack something, hack hack the human brain, hack at the brain level. You know what I mean? Well, people yeah. are more vulnerable to that. Hack with a great meme. You know, <laughs> don't hack people's computers. They don't care about their computers really. Only some people do. Oh, you know what was funny movie. was the part in the speech where he did that. Did, were you listening to the actual, yeah, like, it was like, yeah. well, what do you thing. fear? And then he pulls up the sign and <laughs> says, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> well, you know what would be funny is that, you know, it's plausible that the Federal Reserve is, they planted is him? or has been in the past talking about, like, hey, we might need some Bitcoin 
Uh oh, he he. For they planted reason, him. They have a portfolio of assets that they buy and sell, so they might like you know they may literally be buying Bitcoin and the, they may not want anyone to know that they well, are. Well, the Federal Reserve or the and, IMF and too. Them, Think know. about the IMF. Definitely, I mean they they probably should. Yeah, why be. wouldn't the IMF? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you yeah, know exactly. what? Uh, perfect. There, there's a there's one talking point I want to hit briefly. Uh, you you know how the the main I would say uh talking point of Krista Rose was. We don't need stuff like open bazaar storage because it's like, you know, it's cheaper just to do it centrally and there's no real need for the decentralized aspect of it. Are you familiar with that, Mike? Centralize the wrong thing. Yeah. So, so with Alpha Bay maybe being taken down and BitTorrent and Pirate Bay, you know, having a lot of issues. I mean, is this pretty much saying like, hey, maybe we, maybe it would be more convenient to always have like this reliable service for stuff like torrents and stuff like, uh, like an Alpha Bay substitute? So you like know it's always yeah, you, there. You can't really no, have think, a centralized I, alphabet. No, I think, <laughs> well, it is centralized. No, no, it is centralized. It yeah. is, yeah. yeah all, but, all like so. Silk Road was centralized. Alphabet was centralized. Yeah. Essentially, the DeRose argument is you never need to decentralize that because you'll there'll always be people to do it for yeah, you. Yeah. Well, the, well, I mean, in the case of Alphabet, it's not just Alphabet. The decentralized aspect is the fact that there's more than one of the darknet markets. So, well, yeah, no, 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 there's more than one torrent. But when's the last time you tried to torrent something? It. I used. I mean. It's it's like you know if your favorite torrent website goes down and you have to find a new one you have to find a reliable one it's a, it's a pain in the ass. Well, I mean it's it's a market. It's what it is. I mean, I mean torrent's a different story yeah, because see, there's be no money made. Well, well, less money. Well, I mean, I'm saying like exactly. the storage exactly. could potentially. Alphabet, they make money. Yeah, they make a lot of money. So there's a huge profit incentive. So if somebody's always going to pop so up Chris, to fill the void. I think it's much... Exactly. That's why I think Chris is much more correct in that sense so, that so what it, a, won't, it won't matter because what it's only been down for alpha bay has only been down for what like two days and the, the, and it had competitors the exact same it's whack-a-mole in existence when it went down it's whack-a-mole interesting okay <laughs> i was i was i was really wondering i was really wondering if that if that has changed but it seems like it's still of the same opinion that uh they're the, decentralizing those kind of things aren't needed well i mean how would you decentralize, I decentralize the like names. that i mean <laughs> like sovereign name identity so that they can have just alphabet dot bit or whatever and we don't have, they don't have to use like weird like like tor and bit bitcoin and tor they're all like really hard to use because the addresses are foreign to people the addresses don't make any sense. So you're, you're saying you're saying the darknet market should be a protocol. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the names. Yeah, so I name. want a name, human readable name, and I want that to map to a bunch of computer understandable but, but this gibberish, is... which includes like a PGP key, a Bitcoin stealth address, a onion address, and everything else. I mean, this is the problem with names like that is, you know, there's no uniformity. And if you have a name that's decentralized like that, I mean, you're going to have varying levels of quality. Like literally what Alphabet did in Silk Road before it is they built a brand that people trusted. And that's that's the name no, of the I, game. That's what I want. I want that. I, I want exactly the same thing. I just want it to be Alphabet instead of, you know, like what or, 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 or whatever it is. 
I just yeah. want to get rid of the weird part. So you you just you just think think these things should be more accessible. I mean that'll come in time, definitely for everything, all this stuff. That's that's the thing I've always thought about Bitcoin and in general and and all these this cryptocurrency stuff is it's just going to take time to develop the layers of abstraction that are necessary for grandma to be able to use all this stuff. It's just like grandma couldn't yes. send an email twenty years ago. Now you just give her an iPad and say here you go, right? All right, so uh, well, some grandparents. <laughs> you, you know, you know, I'm really wondering like what Reddit uses for its backend because when, every time you refresh the page, the amount of like hits, like upvotes, it has changes. So like, oh, it fuzzes them. Like, it, does it do that on purpose so yes. you can't scrape or something? No, no, it does it to prevent bots from knowing if they're vote counted or not. Oh, okay, it's vote fuzzing. All right, well, essentially, I got seven upvotes. So you know how we we're talking about Tezos last week. And I was like, hey, guys, how do y'all not know about this? Like, it's like a self-adjusting protocol or whatever. And, like, y'all looked at yeah. me sideways. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'm wrong. So I asked it on the Tezos Reddit. And essentially, it seems like you need an 80% uh, majority to change the protocol. So I was asking, could you use the 80% quorum to change the X% percent vote quorum needed to change the protocol? And no one answered. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if it's if it's one of those totally alterable ones, then yeah, I'm so, sure so, probably. So, and then also someone said uh, it was like uh, some game of I don't know. They compared it to some game that was also in the white paper. I th I know Junseth has talked about it, where you can change the rules of the game. One of the rules is you can change the rules. It's a Justin Quorum. Uh, but anyway, so it looks like I wasn't full of shit completely. Like the game uh, but, uh, or whatever. What's the drinking game where you get an ace and you yeah. can make up rules? Anyways. Uh, well, anyways, I think that's anyway. that's just about it. I know I know we're kind of pushed for time. Paul, thank yeah, you so I, much for, for coming for on. Late, Paul. Thanks for coming down to Atlanta today uh, to, to be on the but podcast yeah. again. Yes, I'm happy to be here. And uh, Mike, I think I'm the Nazis are in Atlanta again. I'm very happy. <laughs> And I just hope that everything goes well this week. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah, you're, you're you're flying back down next week, right? Yes. So, Mike, who I think knows, the who knows what color shirt I'll be asked to wear on that day. But with that, I bid you adieu, Mike. I think the nonce has been found. Yeah, our blocks are forking. Paul, you want to add something? <laughs> um. The I don't know. The, All right, we have to come up with a better tagline. There you go. <laughs> what do you say? Difficulty has adjusted. And the difficulty, difficulty has adjusted. adjusted. All right, thanks for propagating, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>